Hi, it's Pete Price, and my podcast today is with Paul McLaughlin, the spokesperson for Delta. Everything you want to know about private hire and taxis since lockdown. Why can't we get a taxi? Have a listen to my podcast with Paul. Liverpool Live. First question to you is, every time I say I'm going to be talking, and it's always been the same, I'm going to be talking to Delta, why do people get, well, a certain set of people It's the trigger word, isn't it? <laughs> it's the trigger word. Do you want me to um, put you out your misery and explain exactly where the situation is? That would be nice. There is no strategy definition for taxi or cab currently in England and Wales. Um, there is a statutory definition for hackney carriage, that's clearly defined within the law, and there is for private hire vehicle, which is why we've always said, well, the simple thing is, if you mean a black cab, although they're not black, uh, call it a hackney carriage, and if you mean a private hire vehicle, you can call it either, because people do call them taxis. Now, where some of the confusion might be arising is, the, I mean, taxi only appeared in the legislation, I think it was 1980, it was quite late before it appeared, that was in the um, the transport, there's a transport act of uh, 1980. And within that, it defines taxi within the act, but only within the act, nowhere else. When it was referring to displaying the word taxi or cab on or above the roof of a vehicle. So technically speaking, whenever you see a ambulance that says on the back of it, this is not a taxi, that is actually breaching the legislation because it's displaying the word taxi on the back of a vehicle that isn't a taxi as defined by that act. But it's only defined within that act. Outside of the act, uh, it's not defined. In fact, do, do you remember about 10 years ago, do you remember the Law Commission went to, uh, to, to, to a huge review of the taxi licensing legislation? Do you remember that? I do indeed, yes. It took them about three years to come up with their recommendations. I mean, these are some of the most brilliant legal minds you've ever come across. They spent years doing a fantastic job. Um, after three years, they, they wrote a, a draft bill and it was just shelved and never seen the light of day. That, that happens a lot. But interestingly, within that, they pointed out the fact that there was no statutory definition for taxi or cab. They even made a recommendation that these statutory definitions should be made. And that was part of their draft legislation. So until someone dusts that off and actually introduces legislation, you're quite within your right to call us wherever you like. Paul, I will not be looking at my Twitter or Instagram again tonight after that explanation. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Right, on a really, really serious note now, uh, there is a crisis within the industry of private hire taxis and everybody because of drivers, isn't there? Correct, yes. What's going on? Well, COVID had a, a big, big impact on the entire world. We, we, we couldn't escape that impact as well. I think it's, uh, it, it's worth pointing out that it's the, the, the whole labour market within taxis, the traditional taxi industry, hackney carriage or private hire, is filled with self-employed drivers. And it's the kind of industry where every year thousands of people go into the industry and thousands of people come out. It's a, it's a transient job. You, could, you can just take your badge out of the drawer, go and work for a few months on the road, and then another contract comes off. We've, we've got some drivers who work like four weeks about, four weeks on an oil rig, four weeks on the road, you know, back and forth. So it is a transient um, labour force anyway. But what happened during COVID is the levers was turbocharged because of a number of reasons. Obviously, three successive lockdowns, every time the lockdown happened, it turned the tap off on 
passenger demand. And at exactly the same time, it turned the tap on for home deliveries, whether that was Amazon or the likes of, um, you know, some of your supermarket deliveries. So every time a driver found that he wasn't making any money on the road because of the lockdown, there was a lot of people jumped ship to other industries. And don't forget as well, with the travel restrictions, that stopped a lot of people going on holiday. And all that money that they didn't spend on holiday, a lot of that went into home improvements. You saw people... You know, getting a new patio, uh, converting the loft. They're spending a lot more time at home now, maybe making a new office to work from home. So any taxi driver with trade skills, they went back onto the building because, um, you know, do you remember we were were running out of timber, running out of plaster? You just couldn't find tradesmen. So, of course, they're they're the people who left when the industry... um, you know, suffered years ago, a lot of those people became taxi drivers. Well, they picked up their tools again and went back. Um, you've got other industries like uh, the, uh, the um, heavy goods vehicles. They've had a shortage in drivers, so much so that some of the drivers, one week they were on £500 a week, and the next week they're on £1,500 a week. So for anyone who has a HGV licence that was driving a taxi, they'd be, you know, more likely to hop across to there. You add to that early retirement for a lot of people who thought, well, be there's COVID about, that's my time to yeah. hang up my keys. Um, people shielding due to, you know, their own health concerns or maybe, a, you know, um, an immune-suppressed relative within the family who's using their family car. Brexit will have had some um, impact on this as uh, Eastern Europeans uh, decided not to stay. Um, and I think a big one as well, the travel restrictions, because we, we, we have a lot of foreign nationals that yeah. might be in other countries that are suffering a lot um, more than the, the UK, haven't had the same vaccine rollout. And as a redless country, it'd be very expensive for that driver to come back into the UK. So that, that gives you an idea of some of the reasons why everybody's been leaving. But drivers leaving the industry is nothing new. What has been the biggest problem is it's normally we've got people coming in at the other end, joining the industry. Now, furlough, it's, it, it's something that is so unusual for us. It's completely skewed the market because many people who might have been going out looking for work find themselves sitting pretty on 80% to sit at home. So none of them wants to start picking people up from nightclubs on a Saturday night if they're lucky enough to be on a furlough scheme. Um, you also found the job centres closed. So some people who might have felt uh, obliged to turn up at an interview and demonstrate to the officer that they are doing their best to look for a job, well, the job centre's closed. <laughs> There's no interviews, so they just stayed on benefits. And added to that, those that did make an application found that the councils were closed. Sefton Council, for example, they closed their office and tried to work things from a home as best they can. But it was far from ideal. It's still far from ideal. And they're working very, very hard to try and resolve that. Almost everybody else has gone back to work, but the councils don't seem to have done. So, you know, it can take many, many months. I think in Knowsley, we're hearing drivers taking between four and six months to, you know, from start to finish to right. go through the licensing process. It's a lot less in Sefton. Um, and would you believe... Um, things in Liverpool, <laughs> it's the same old story in Liverpool. Um, they, they, they committed a, a scandalous act of self-harm when it comes to the legislation there because they, they introduced new rules within Liverpool two years ago, which we said, <laughs> that's not going to work very well. Um, every driver has to do the first part. You know, the, have, you, have you ever heard of the VRQ for taxi yep. drivers? Yeah, yeah. Well, with the VRQ for, for the listeners... It's, it's the recognised national standard for 
um, for drivers learning the skills of being a taxi driver. It's got nine modules, including the likes of lifting and loading, route planning, um, uh, disability awareness, customer services, conflict management, you name it, everything to do with the taxi industry. So the VRQ, which takes you two weeks in a classroom to get that qualification, that is the test of whether you're fit and proper to drive. So if you go to any local authority in the Liverpool city region, all you need to do is get your VRQ, get your medical, DBS checks and what have you, and you're away. But not in, not in Liverpool. Liverpool City Centre, they come up with a, a, a scheme in consultation with Unite the Union, who you remember it used to be the Transport and General Workers yeah. Union. Many years ago, they used to have, um, they, they really pushed for as hard a knowledge test as possible under the guise of quality control, when in actual fact it was all about quantity control. So it, it restricted the, it was a barrier to, to, to employment for many people. Now, what they've introduced two years ago in Liverpool is that not only should you do the VRQ before you get the badge, but they then hit a timer of 12 months for you to then go and do another course, which is the NVQ. Now, the NVQ isn't classroom learning. That's an assessment within the workplace. So you have to have a minimum of three months' worth of assessments, and you have examiners sit in your car, and there's all sorts of uh, work to do to, to gather all of that material. Now, no one else does that, but Liverpool introduced this, and if you don't complete that within 12 months, then they take your badge back off you. Wow. Yeah, wow. so we, we, we thought, well, that's, that's going to backfire. Now, I, I still, I mean, having spoke to our legal team, our legal team has said, we're quite sure this is not within the law. You cannot say that a person was fit and proper a year ago, but because he hasn't done a course, he's suddenly unfit and improper. It doesn't work like that. If he was fit and proper when you granted the badge, it should remain in place. But if we were to yet again go to court with a local authority, I mean, we've won in court cases against Liverpool, we've done the same against Nosley, representing the interests of drivers, but if we were to do that for Liverpool, it wouldn't cost Unite any money, and it wouldn't cost the likes of, uh, you know, any of the councillors or officers any money. It would just eat into, you know, important social and public services. So what we do for drivers is say, if you're not happy about the situation, just go and get your badge from Sefton cheaper. So um, they had somewhere in the region of 2,300 or so, just over 2,300 licensed private hire drivers before they brought this in, and now the, their numbers are 1,800. So there's 500 just through an act of self-harm. Yeah. So these are all the different yeah. factors affecting um, yeah. how people left successfully over 18 months, and we just haven't had them coming back in yet. But there is good news, you know, a lot of these local authorities are getting geared up for a return to the workplace, the job centres are reopening, furlough is over, so there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's interesting that tonight of all nights, uh, Palomine um, has been stuck in town waiting for a cab from Delta of all cabs um, and didn't get one in the end four times rang up and said it was on its way it was going to be an hour now it isn't just you I'm just saying that but it's interesting yeah, well, that this has happened in the end they had to get a black cab home Yes, well, I mean, some people have been using black cabs. Some people have been resorting to ride shares on the, on the scourge price. Sorry, did I say scourge? I meant to say surge, slip of the tongue. Um, <laughs> and some of the surge prices, you know, playing four and five times the fare and what have you. So, yeah, people have been and desperate, and um, it's, it's, it's an awful, awful situation. And this is going to translate ultimately, unless we start to see a return of drivers, this is going to ultimately, you know, cause safety concerns for people. I know uh, a lot of uh, young people... Um, 
who tell me that they either get a train home uh, the last one of the night or once they miss the last one of the night, they hang around in town till six o'clock in the morning to get the first one back. But um, one of the things I wanted to explain as well, Pete, is that what a lot of people forget is because the the, the industry is made up largely of self-employed drivers who pick and choose their hours. There's about a 30% shortfall in drivers across the whole of the industry. Delta will have 30% fewer drivers. Um, all of the other operators in Liverpool, they'll be about the same. And wherever you read the trade press, um, north and south, east and west across the whole of the country, it's about a 30% reduction of drivers who we've lost that haven't been re recuperated yet. Now, that isn't spread equally across the week. Right. It's not like there's 30% fewer drivers at Tuesday at 9 o'clock in the morning and 30% fewer at Saturday night at midnight because the drivers choose exactly when they want to work, where they want to work, and whenever they're given bookings on the screen, if they don't fancy it, they can just go, nope, don't fancy that one, give me another, give me another. So what's actually happened, how this translates on the road in terms of cover, we don't have a shortage on weekdays. If you want to get a taxi 10 o'clock Tuesday morning, <laughs> there's not a problem. Because a lot of drivers who used to work evenings can afford to work through the weekdays now, and they are. And drivers who used to do Saturday nights, they're not doing that anymore because as long as they can make enough through the week, yeah. they're not going to wait. It's Saturday interesting night. you say that because, <clears throat> excuse me, I know four taxi drivers who won't work nights ever again. They finish at tea time. They're not they're not happy working nights. I've always made a point with private hire, which upsets me, is with the black cabs, you've got the, the, the barrier there. With the private hire, you don't know who's sitting behind you. I know you take security and everything seriously, but that still worries me. It's always worried me. Yes, well, there's, um, I mean, don't forget, there's a, there, there are Sefton licensed hackney carriage vehicles that are ordinary saloon cars. Oh, right. you know, not, know not, not all of them have the barrier. Yeah. And you find a lot of private hire drivers over COVID, they put the barrier in as well. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there is obviously, there's always going to be security concerns with any industry that involves, yeah, yeah. you know, collecting cash. And what's been one of the good things is we've seen more and more drivers adopting cashless processes. I mean, prior to COVID, I think about 50% of our drivers offered um, contactless. Now it's well over 90%. Wow. And that, that's, that's been a great thing for the industry because lots of technological developments have, it's almost been like on war footing that everyone's had to develop technology so quick. We, we've been hiring in, you know, additional people on who are code writers, you know, software developers. We, we've got a, a fantastic high paid team that they've been trying, you know, look towards more automation because if there are fewer drivers out there paying fees, businesses need to be more competitive we need a lot more automation and some of those automated services are, are, are a lot easier for, for passengers to yeah. use you know online bookings can be a lot quicker and easier for everybody you started in 1968 i think it was you must have seen huge changes well yes there has been the, <laughs> the, where, where to begin yes there's been an awful lot of changes um i mean if, if you if you think back the reason that private hire came of age in the late 1960s, it's always driven by technology. This was when radios first became available for that sector. The radio technology that was developed in the 1940s and was used by the um, 
by the army, then by the 50s it was emergency services like the police and ambulance, and then by the 60s it translated through to private business. And of course, having radios in the vehicles so they don't have to inefficiently keep traipsing back to the same rank and, you know, queuing up. Well, as soon as you had radios, it, it sort of gave you a new lease of life. Then you had mobile phones where people didn't have to ring from a landline. They could be stood on the street and use mobile phones. That was another big drive towards private hire. Um, then the smartphone where people could go from, you know, could have gone from hailing to making a phone call to now just tapping an app on the phone. So there's been an awful lot, and, and it's, it's important for every business, wherever you're in, as long as you embrace the technology. I mean, as you, you might remember, when we brought in full GPS dispatch, we were the first uh, cab firm in the Northern Hemisphere to introduce that when we did back in the, the late 1990s. Mm -hmm. And um, we've continued to uh, introduce new innovations. E even, even now today, we've got new innovations being rolled out to, you know, to improve services. Here's an interesting uh, comment from one of my listeners uh, who said, I think it's time all private hire firms take basic deposits off customers as drivers are getting or going to double, treble and even quad book jobs. It might stop uh, people booking and wasting drivers' times. What do you say about that? Well, we this had become a problem many years ago. It wasn't so bad... Um, when the police, dare I say, had more time to investigate such matters. But when it became clear that the, the police weren't going to be dealing with such things um, years ago, we introduced payment up front for any, any, any journey over the value of £20. We issued stickers, we made it company policy. Cause you can't go into McDonald's and start eating your food before before you've paid <laughs> an awful you can't yeah. go to the cinema and pay on your way back out. So we did introduce that many, many years ago. Now, Almost every time we speak to a driver and say, so, you know, a driver might have had a, a terrible, he's, he's done a whole journey, 30 odd quid, and then he hasn't had the money. We say to them, did you not ask for the, the money up front? And he said, oh, well, I felt embarrassed asking. I said, well, the policy's there for you to do that. Yeah. If, if you ask up front and they don't have the money, you, you don't set off. Now, we don't do that for every single journey because, to be honest, on the five and six pound fares, it doesn't happen. It's, it's not that big a problem. Um, but it, it's when you get on a really long, expensive journey that can, you know, really ruin your day. So there are, um, we have introduced policies for that. There's also um, a difficulty when you're talking about paying a deposit, pay who? We don't take money off customers. We operate self-employed drivers. The fare goes directly to the driver. So when you're placing your booking, we don't know who, who that's going to go to. Um, once you get your driver and you pay by uh, a card even in the vehicle, that money goes straight into the driver's bank accounts, nothing to do with Delta. Interesting. Interesting. So if we were to be taking deposits, and this is where, where some of the companies have come really unstuck as well. What some operators did, they, they took a poor decision many years ago that they wanted to take the money off the passengers and then pay a little bit to the driver. So in, in some of your rideshare models, you pay the rideshare company and then they pass some of the money on to the driver. And you find that with some operators as well. You register your card through the app and you pay. Now, all of these payments are a thing called CNP and CNP stands for card not present. If the card is not present to either use a contactless or a chip and pin, if the card is not present, there's no guarantee on the payment. So you can have a person who books, does an upfront payment uh, on their card, and somebody else gets in your taxi. 
they disappear to Manchester, and then uh, two weeks later you notice on your bill that you've been charged £57 for a fare that you didn't even pick, <laughs> you weren't even in the car. So then there's chargebacks, which then come, come back to bite you. So th- there's, there's a lot of complications on stuff like that. Um, we, like, like the supermarkets, I mean, it, if there was no such thing, if there was no such thing as... Uh, shoplifting, then our tins of beans would all cost a a little bit cheaper, wouldn't they, Pete? The the industry set the price on the understanding that there will always be a certain element of that. So our fare structure that we have, which is a pretty decent fare structure, that takes into account that even with a small amount of runners here and there, you still should be okay by the end of the week. And as long as drivers on their expensive jobs, as long as they're being able to say to the passengers, look, Give me the money up front if you want to put the, uh, you know, or at least give me £40 on my, uh, on my debit card before we set off. And if they don't get in the car because they're not prepared to pay it, then you can avoid that. Paul, we haven't got too long left, uh, but I've got to ask, what's your views on Uber and the way they can change the price as they, as they want through demand? Um, well, it's entirely down to... If, 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 if people want to spend £70 for a fare that was £7 last week, then that, that, that's entirely up to people if they want to do that. It's a very California business model. It's, you know, like uh, those with the biggest wallets come to the front and everyone else goes to the back. Um, I, for, for our industry, traditionally the industry, not only was it illegal for Hackney cabs to cherry pick and say, I'll only take you if you give me double or triple a fare, it was always considered as immoral as well so when you've got these um, these rideshare models but saying that once a few people have been bitten on that kind of thing it, it, it leaves such a sour note the amount of passengers that we have that we leave they say I had to use Uber the other Saturday night because I couldn't get you my god never again because people who've been uh, who, who've, who've been stung for, for that when it comes to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday if they can get a car off Delta very quick they're not going to go back to Uber yeah. not after they've been ripped like that so what you're finding is most of the new recruits that we get these days they're actually ex-Uber driver who say yeah I can clean up on the Saturday night but I, I want to see my family as well and all of my friends who are on Delta they work weekdays, they work sociable hours, they, they come out and do the occasional weekend. But what they're finding is, because it, it, I think that now has become the unique selling point for Delta from a driver's perspective is, you can make enough money working sociable hours, you can make a hell of a lot if you work on sociable hours. Paul, um, to finish off, do you see a major problem for Delta and all the other private hires and cabs for Fridays and Saturdays nights. Um, at the moment, but we're still in a period of readjustment. I mean, as I say, the job centres have only just reopened. The councils are just getting their act together. It's taken them 18 months. I mean, we responded within five minutes. We just went online payments as of now, and every driver switched to bank payments. Sefton Council. They won't take a bank payment off a driver, still. So we're in negotiations to deal with that. And, uh, Pete, the biggest thing has been furlough. Furlough has thrown everything um, into such a mess. Because, and it was, it was so important to have that furlough. It saved so many jobs. 
but it did drag on for too long. It should have finished long ago because yeah. most of the world went back to normal um, in, the, in the UK. And while the furlough was still there, no one wanted to leave yeah. their job. So I'm hopeful that we can, um, you know, we, we, we can improve. From Delta's point of view, we have to make sure that if there is a shortage, it, it affects us less. I mean, having we, we've got the NHS contracts. We've had them for years, so we do all the NHS work. That's a fantastic amount of work that will draw drivers from other operators to us. We put free phones in all the supermarkets. Lots of people scoff at that. In fact, our own drivers used to scoff and say, oh, another Sainsbury's pickup. But I tell you what, when that lockdown happened, Pete, and the only work that was coming in was from supermarkets and hospitals, it paid dividends. And that's allowed us to, you know, at least keep drip feeding. We're really lucky we could carry on working through the lockdown, albeit on a very much reduced level. So many poor businesses, they went to the wall because they couldn't operate at all. And that, that's been heartbreaking. Paul, always a great pleasure to talk to you because you, it gets everybody going on social media and <laughs> believe me, they are going. Paul McLaughlin from Delta, thank you so much. You take care, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye if you enjoyed that, why not subscribe? It costs you nothing and we've got some great, great podcasts. Liverpool Live.